IDC Radio. Welcome back to Film Fanatics, your home for the hottest movie topics of the week. I'm your host, Gal Balaban. And I'm your co-host, Alan Azulay. So last episode, we were here with our Oscar predictions, and we had a lot of fun reminiscing on the good old days of the X-Men. Rest in peace to the Fox franchise. And we shared our thoughts on Shang-Chi. That's right, Gal. We had a lot of fun last week. Uh, this week, however, we'll, we'll be diving into the Oscar winner list. We're going to take a trip back to the 90s cartoons and talk about Space Jam, which I know you're really excited about. <laughs> We're also going to be giving you our thoughts on the recently bookended Marvel uh, Marvel show in Disney+, Plus, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. If you remember last week, we did our Oscar predictions and Alan and I did a little competitive thing where we put in our ballots and decided to see who got the most correct. So I got 15 out of 23 categories. I got 11. It's so depressing. 11. Not even half, bro. Oh, wow, that's, that's <laughs> sad. That's very sad. <laughs> We both got best best picture right though. Yeah, that one that one's always normally a surprise, but this time it was pretty predictable. Yeah, No Man Land, I think, um, especially after winning best director, was like a shoe in for best picture. Yeah, I mean, at one point I just realized there was no other film that was gonna win because like people were expecting maybe Trial of the Chicago Seven was gonna sneak up, and that one zero. I, that was surprising, actually. I thought it would at least win one. I don't know. Yeah, I I bet on it for uh for screenplay. Apparently, I was wrong. <laughs> it was one of the fifty thousand categories I got wrong. And then best actress, I think, was the biggest surprise because last week we were talking about it being a toss-up between Carrie Mulligan and Viola Davis, and then who ended up winning? No, it w- it was uh, Frances McDormand. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> How did that happen? It's her third Oscar. It's her third Oscar, making her technically, I'm not stating this as a fact, but technically better than Meryl Streep because (laughs) she has three Oscars for, um, and none of them are for supporting. They're all for for actor. And she won for producing Nomadland, her best picture. What a night for Frances. What a night. And... Best Actor was also a big surprise. Uh, We were saying we would for sure think Chadwick would get his posthumous Oscar for Ma Rainey, and then ultimately it was Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, actually, that was the chatter going around every every Oscar show you would watch. Uh, Like, the whole industry, everyone was backing Chadwick. So it was really surprising to see it going to Anthony Hopkins. Uh, If you didn't watch the ceremony, what happened was they presented Best Picture before Actor, which I thought was so weird. And then I realized that they were maybe trying to end it with Actor to have like a bittersweet moment for Chadwick because apparently the producers expected him to win. And then Anthony Hopkins won. He wasn't even there to pick up his awards. So Joaquin Phoenix was presenting was just like, I'll accept it on his behalf. And then it ended like that. Yeah, like yeah, like I said before, Hollywood thought he was gonna win. Um, I think Price Waterhouse should have nudged the Oscar producers in the direction of like maybe this is not gonna go the way you think. So this Balagan, for a lack of a better word, 
wouldn't would not have happened. Also, don't the producers know the winners? Like, isn't that a I thing they should know? I don't think they do. I think it's all Price Waterhouse, which is why we had that mix-up at the Oscars two years ago when we fought La La Land. Four. Moon. La La Land Moonlight. That was four years that ago. Was four years 2017. ago. 2017. Oh God. <laughs> well, I guess that was four years ago. Well, I've seen both The Father and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I think overall as a film, I thought The Father was a little better, but in terms of performance, I was rooting for Chadwick. He was incredible in that movie. Yeah, he he drove me to tears in that movie, and uh, he also made me laugh. And he is he was a great talent, and he's definitely gonna be missed. And I don't think the Academy is gonna live this down. I feel like it was a real it was a real mistake, and um, yeah, people are never gonna forget about this blunder. It's hard not to be sad when such a great talent is gone. Well, moving on. Best Supporting Actor is a category that we both got right. Daniel Kaluuya swept the entire award season. He won every Supporting Actor ceremony out there. I gotta say, this is my favorite performance in all of 2020. Yeah, like, oh, it was a sh- it was also one of those shoe-ins. Like we said, Nomadland for Best Picture. We also, like, agreed on this one because, like you said, it's swept. And usually when an actor or a movie is sweeping that, that much... In the other ceremonies, you just know it's going to take home the gold. And supporting actress is one that I got right and you got wrong. Listen, to be fair, when I was writing my predictions, I was like, okay, I think she's going to win. But I was like, uh, no, I, ha- I have to root for my girl, Amanda Seyfried here. Just because <laughs> I, I had a feeling that she was going to win because I know how much Hollywood likes giving this award, especially supporting actress, to to engineers like um younger actresses i feel like i feel like she was gonna win so not disappointed in any way shape or form but like honestly uh, surprised but positively surprised so for writing if we look at original screenplay this is one that you said you were expecting chicago 7 to win in and ultimately went to promising young woman yeah and i I cannot get mad at that just Um, my prediction I, I got that right, not to brag. Yeah, no, good for you. I cannot get mad at that, like, at all. Like, um, at least Promising Young Woman took home something. Oh, yeah, I was upset that uh, Carrie Mulligan did not win. I wanted her to win as well. Uh, but it's just... I I, I had a feeling you, uh, Chicago 7 was going to take this one because I had a feeling you wasn't going to take home anything else. And if you had to take one, it was going to be this one. And as we saw, it took anything it didn't take anything and then animation was one that was pretty obvious so we both got right which is soul yeah some people were saying onward had a chance really uh yeah i saw like a bit of a buzz like online but Soul was like the clear winner here i think people were predicting that soul might get nominated for best picture actually but that didn't happen i i would be okay with that and then last thing is as we expected Mank did not go home empty-handed. It won both cinematography and production design. And I got both of the both of those right with my boy David Fincher. I didn't expect the cinematography win, to be honest. Listen, the Oscars on some levels, they're so obvious. If your movie's in black and white, you have 90% chance of getting, <laughs> of getting cinematography. That's, that's true. Good. They did give it to Roma and they nominated The Lighthouse. I'm sure there's more that I'm missing. Yeah. If your movie is in, is in black and white, 
like these days, maybe after like the 2000s or 2010s, it, you have a higher chance of winning cinematography. Uh, anyway, this is enough Oscar talk for a whole year, don't you, Fingal? Yeah, I think we're chilling till next fall, winter. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of <laughs> talking about Oscars, to be honest. So now we're going to go into one of my favorite segments of our show, uh, because we get to talk about nostalgia fests, which are... I'm so excited yeah. for this. This one is a good one. So in this week's Total Recall, we'll be talking about 1996 Space Jam. How does it hold up? How, what did you think of the movie? Okay, so a little context. Um, this is my little brother's favorite movie, and this is a movie that we would always pop in the DVD when our friend was over, when it was just us with the family. I've seen this movie over and over again. It's basically engraved in my DNA. You have to understand, there is no gall without Space Jam. So no matter how ridiculous it is, I enjoyed it so much when I was younger. And watching it again after so many years was a little bit surreal. That's a statement and a half right there. There's no gal without Space Jam, guys. <laughs> so a little, I guess a little can... bit of an exaggeration, but this is like one of the movies I've seen the most amount of times is the idea I'm trying to get across here. It's definitely, look, it's a movie with the Looney Tunes, okay? So, of course, those parts definitely don't hold up, but I think there are some moments that bring back like enjoyment from when I was younger, which is really the only reason... I had fun revisiting it. I'm going to actually have to disagree with you on that. Not not with the fun revisiting. I had a lo- I had fun watching. I'm not going to say a lot of fun, but I did have fun. But I'm going to disagree with you because the Looney Tunes part was were the parts that actually spoke to me the most. I don't know if it is nostalgia, but it was it were, those were the most fun parts for me. Like everything with those basketball players <laughs> was killing me. Like, uh, I was like, who wrote this movie? You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't think Michael Jordan did that bad of a job. No, he didn't. He didn't. He was actually okay. I would think he was like a halfway decent actor. But those other basketball players, they were getting to me. I was getting (laughs) angry at how bad they were. I didn't really (laughs) notice it, but you're talking about like Charles Barkley, right? Uh, Patrick Ewing, Larry Bird. Wow. They were so bad at acting. (laughs) I like how Bill Murray throughout the whole movie is talking about how he wishes he could be in the NBA and there's no context around it. They never address it. He's just all like, oh, I could have done that. And it's like, wait, so random. And he's playing himself. He's not playing like a basketball version of Bill Murray. No, it's so random, which I like. Uh, it makes no sense, but I do <laughs> a lot like of this it. movie doesn't make sense. A lot of this movie makes no sense. The villains are literally called the Monstars. <laughs> why not 1996 oh man uh anyway oh speaking of 1996 this was one of the most 90s things i've watched in a while it's so 90s i don't know if like um i was born in 1996 actually around oh, wow. the time space jam came out and um the 90s didn't arrive in brazil until the 2000s <laughs> so it was like weird watching that stuff because it was a lot of that stuff reminded me of my childhood so much, especially just because like you, it was me and my sister's favorite movie when we were growing up or one of our favorites. 
and we popped it in all the time like but i hadn't seen it since then like since like probably Same. more than 10 years ago so like it's been a while because like my sister's only a year younger than me so like when she was young, I was young. So we had like the same phases, I guess. And we love that movie. You know what was so weird to me watching it again is when Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck are walking into Michael Jordan's house to get his shoes. And then the kids catch them and they act like a cartoon character being in their house in the middle of the night. It's like a normal thing. They're like, here you go, Bugs. And he like walks away. Also terrible child actors. Just thought I threw <laughs> it out there. Oh my God. I don't know if those are actually Michael Jordan's kids, but my God, were they bad actors as well. <laughs> I know I'm being a little bit too harsh on the actors in this movie. It's just that I had, I looked at this movie with such like uh, rose-colored gl glasses, you know, like in my head. Like I was like, oh, this is probably amazing. And then when I went <laughs> to sit down and watch it, I was so disappointed with a bunch of stuff. But like I said before, the Looney Tunes part, it's funny. It's dumb. But it's so funny. Do you remember when um, Wayne Knight, a.k.a. Newman from Seinfeld, he gets like smashed by the monsters and then they blow him up like a balloon. That part, oh my god. That part was insane. Those special effects do not hold up <laughs> Absolutely not. My god. No. Also when Michael Jordan turned into a cube or a ball or something. Yeah, they like wrap him up into a basketball and then he just like gets uncubed and he's fine. <laughs> it's horrible. So bad. What like overall I enjoyed it, but I think it's a better movie if you were high. I didn't watch <laughs> it high because I wanted to like really pay attention for our podcast, but I feel like this would was one of those movies that if you pop in like we're by the way, we are not promoting use of illegal substances in <laughs> film fanatics. That's not what we're doing. But if you are gonna watch this movie, you might have a way better time than I did. Well, so does it age well as a smart movie? No, but is it fun to watch because we liked it so much as younger people? I'd say, yeah. Yeah, I think I can agree with you on that. And now that I actually watched it, after all this time, I can I can tell you that like next time I'm probably going to have a better time just because <laughs> I know what to expect more. Right. One thing we need to address in this movie is the soundtrack. Yes, let's end on a good note, shall we? The soundtrack is honestly insane. Do you remember that theme song? As far as kid movies go, probably one of be the best soundtracks of all time. Honestly, there's I Believe I Can Fly. I believe I can fly. I believe I can touch the sky I think about it every night and day Spread my wings and fly away There's Fly Like an Eagle There's Pump Up the Jam Oh, Pump Up the Jam, that was, that was my jam, I guess jam pump it up why your feet are stumping and the jam is pumping look ahead the crowd is jumping and so i feel like we can't talk about space jam without addressing the elephant in the room or should i say the looney tune in the room and that is the new trailer for space jam a new legacy 
this? Ah! <sighs> I'm a cartoon? What's up, Doc? Yeah, it came out a couple of weeks back. What did you think about it, Gal? I think it looks pretty insane, just like this movie, but I'm excited. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie too. I'm a, I am excited. Like, uh, I watched that trailer with a couple of friends and um, we all got, exi- got excited watching it. Yeah, I mean, I'm always saying, like, Warner Brothers did this with Lego Batman and Ready Player One, where they just threw in all their properties and said, hey, this is what we own. And it seems like they had so much fun that they're doing it again. I kind of don't like that idea that much. I feel like this should be more of a Looney Tunes movie. Like I saw in the trailer, like Game of Thrones and stuff like that. And like (laughs) Clockwork Orange. Why would you put Clockwork Orange characters on Space Jam? It makes no sense. If your kid understands that reference, then bring him onto this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, he's a fucking prodigy. (laughs) Um... Yeah, and then, I don't know, I feel personally, because technology is advanced and popular culture is advanced, maybe it would be a little outdated to just do the same Looney Tunes thing, but I think we should have a little bit of that cartoon world, and then a little bit of that, like, crazy Warner Brothers thingy, whatever they're doing. I don't know, it's Space Jam. Like, it's just supposed to be fun and crazy. Let's now move on to our next segment. We are going to review one of the biggest shows of the year so far, and one that we have both finished recently, and that is The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. What's going on in that cyborg brain of yours? You don't want to know. Oh yeah, I can see it working. Gears turning. Oh, they're malfunctioning. They're on fire. God, I hate you. So, Gal, what did you think in in general about the show? In general, I think it lived up to my expectations, and in some ways it even exceeded them. I think uh, both the action is great, and I want to talk more about the action scene specifically, and I think in some ways Marvel really achieved their goal of making it feel cinematic and making it feel um, tightly paced. Uh, while you could say like WandaVision is a little bit of a slow build, this takes advantage of every minute and every scene, and it's really, really exciting. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you here, almost to a T. Um, before before these Marvel shows came out, if you would ask me what I was more excited about, if it was going to be WandaVision or Falcon, I was 100% going to answer you, WandaVision. I love those characters way more than I love the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And uh, it just looked like such a good, fun show. And it was. Don't get me wrong. I really liked WandaVision. But it came under my expectations. With Falcon, it was the opposite. The creative team they have behind this show really did it justice. Like, um, the directing was on point. I loved how the story progressed. Like you said, they did not waste a minute of that show. It was funny. It was fun. It was a great, like character building show for sam specifically like i came into the show like liking sam like he was a funny character in the movies but i came out of this show like wow that man he's he's great he's a great actor and he's and now he's a great character too the legacy of that shield is complicated I've actually always loved Sam. I think especially the moment at the end of Endgame where he gives Steve gives Sam the shield and he says, Thank you. 
I'll do my best. The acting in that scene from Anthony Mackie is so excellent. And I think he was able to lead the show so well with his charisma and his performances. And Sebastian Stan, they both had such great chemistry and banter. So I have a feeling they might be a part of the big three. What big three? The big three. What big three? Androids, aliens, and wizards. That's not a thing. That, that's definitely a thing. No, it's not. So every time we fight, we fight one of the three. So who are you fighting now, Gandalf? How do you know about Gandalf? I read The Hobbit. I think also a strength is, like you said, it follows like the grounded tone of the Winter Soldier and Civil War. It talks about terrorism and political and social ideas. And then it also focuses on some of the grounded issues of the character, like Sam's family and Bucky's experience as a veteran. Yeah, like, um, I, I cannot agree with you more. Like, it was, especially because it dealt with s such, like, strong real-world issues, like, it was amazing to see, like, unfolding throughout the show, like, what would it mean for a black man to carry the shield? And I feel like, in the most realistic way that something like this could, when you hand a black man that symbol in a country like the U.S., it carries weight. And I feel like that show really drove home that point in such a beautiful way. I'm so glad the show exists, like, honestly. I think there's such a great storyline there with a character named Isaiah that they just nailed that social aspect of it instead of shying away from what that would mean for the public and for the country. Yeah, when you usually think of Marvel properties, you don't think like they go too deep into social issues. So I'm so glad they did. They did not shy away. Now, what did you think of the character John Walker? I feel like this is one of those characters that people are going to love to hate. Wyatt Russell, like, if you don't know Wyatt Russell, he's uh, the son of Kurt Russell. If you only watch MCU movies, that's Ego the Living Planet, <laughs> the villain of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So that's his son, uh, Wyatt Russell, and he delivers a great performance here. Like I think they, like you said, you love to hate him because... He's not a likable guy. He's very arrogant and does things in his own self-interest. But the writing behind this dark Captain America is just so good. It's amazing. Uh, you can say it. He's a dick. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you, ju you just can't, ha can't help yourself to watch this guy on screen. He's a, he's a powerful force. Like You watch him and you're like, man. And what did you think of Carly and the Flag Smashers? I did not enjoy that as much as I did Dark Captain America. <laughs> I agree that I think Walker is a better written character, but I also think they did a good job focusing more on Carly than they would an average villain and um, making her views like a little more provocative than just, oh, I want to do bad things because I'm bad. I agree with you uh, to the point that I actually agreed with her views throughout the show. Except when she was killing people, I want to I keep this... <laughs> I want to keep this explicit. I did not agree with that part. We do not support her methods. We do not support murder in this show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now to end on a high note. What was your favorite action scene of the, of the series? Ooh, I cannot say specifically because it's a bit spoilerish. What's the I'm episode number? It's in the last episode. One of my favorites, and I'm not going to say it's my favorite because I, I actually hadn't thought about it. When Sam is flying around in the last episode, I'll, I'll tell All you right. that much. I got you. Uh, I really love that. Uh, for a lot of stuff that I'm, again, not going to get into it right now. But if you watch it, you know what I'm talking about. So for me, I would say 
the beginning of episode five. There's a fight between a few characters that is just so powerful and unpredictable and well done and really brutal. It's really brutal and this is such a great scene. And there's also at least one awesome action scene per episode. Yes. I love the calling card of this show because when you start watching on episode one and you see Sam's like one of Sam's missions in the army as Falcon, you just know you're in for a good, good action adventure because that already puts you like in the mindset of like, wow, these people know what they're doing like action wise. That scene is so good. I totally agree. I'm going to agree with you in the the, the fifth one. I'm, I believe that's going to... That, that takes a kick. That's the best fight in the show. The one in the beginning of episode five. Um, I, I kind of forgot about that, honestly. But you're right. That's the best fight in the show. Uh, what I said about mine is like more like for the meaning behind it. But like as a straight fight, I agree with you. That wraps up our show this episode. I had a lot of fun talking to you about the ass whooping I gave you with our Oscar predictions. Oh, come on. <laughs> and again, that's enough Oscars talk. And then we talked about Space Jam, a little blast to the past, a little space pun for you. And our favorite thing ever, which is to talk Marvel. Yeah, you, you know, that's my favorite thing ever. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for uh, for being with us this week. Next week, instead of Oscar talk, because we're not doing that anymore, we're going to start covering some movie news for you guys. All right. As always, I'm Gaul. And I'm Alan. And we'll see you next time. Bye.